And after a brief hiatus, Rob from F1 Fantasy Hub is back with us. Rob, what did you think of that race last week? I mean, Adam, it was a it was a pretty enthralling race from start to finish. I think in the lead up to the race, through qualifying and in the practice sessions, there was a lot of uncertainty around where the Red Bull had it to match, you know, Ferrari and and Mercedes. And despite, uh, I guess, a qualifying session from both of the Bulls that we're probably not accustomed to this season, it, it made for a really exciting race at the front of the field. And I think a lot of the viewers got what they asked for, for, I guess, an entertaining race from start to finish. What was your take on it? It was really uh, definitely a candidate for race of the year for me. It started slow. I think that build up in the first 30, 35 laps or so, you could start to feel the tension building. And then as soon as Mercedes pitted for the tires, you knew it was going to be a race. They were averaging three or four seconds a lap faster than Sainz and Norris at the front of the field. And they were just running through the pack to catch up to them. So then it was just a matter of would they catch up in time or run out of laps. And then just a brilliant play by Sainz to get Norris into DRS range, pull them both along. And then it forced Mercedes to really go full beans on that last lap and trigger that issue for for George. I really feel for George. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. After binning it in the wall, he looked in such good shape for you know those last twenty or fifteen laps, however long they were on those new set of tires for. And I, I mean, I think it was well documented throughout the commentary and after the race that Lewis looked like the faster of the two cars. Whether or not they they could have swapped or should have swapped, I don't. I guess mind or have an issue with George obviously staying third I think given he qualified so well on Saturday he had the right to be in that position and give himself every shot at a win unfortunately not to be and didn't even grab the podium that he was in the box seat for until that last lap so heartache for him but um, a great result for Sainz and for and for Lando too. Absolutely let's start with our contest from last week so on our live show last Saturday we gave one lucky winner $50 to our new sponsor, fifthgeargarms.com, and the chance to pick which one of our teams would get renamed for this week in Suzuka. So we're happy to share with you that the winner of the contest renamed my team to, drumroll please, a stroll in the park. So congratulations to F1 Daily. Enjoy your prize and thank you for my new team name. And if you want to win this week, we're giving away that exact same prize again to one lucky winner. We're going to announce those details at the end of the show today. Let's jump right into a very busy show agenda for tonight. We're going to talk about that race in Singapore last week and break down the big winners and losers and what that means for fantasy lineups moving forward. We'll preview Japan and what we know about some of the recent history at this track and what we can predict looking ahead to free practice. As always, we'll get into our fan amp picks of the week. And then Rob and I will give you our first stab at lineup choices for this week. And like I promised a moment ago, we're going to talk about that fifth gear arms giveaway. So starting off the Singapore review with a little bit of drama because Red Bull were clearly off the pace all weekend and it comes right after technical directive 18 was announced. And for anyone unfamiliar with it, the FIA told teams that they were making sure that aerodynamic components were tightly secured to the chassis. So some teams are rumored to have this so-called flexi wing, which is a wing that bends under aerodynamic load 
and that gives it an additional advantage. And so that flexi wing may not be kosher under TD18. And some have wondered, is this crackdown responsible for Red Bull slowing down? Or was it a bad setup for Singapore? Rob, what do you think it is? I'd probably take the, the view that it is perhaps a combination of both. There was obviously speculation going into Singapore that this circuit wasn't suited to the Red Bull car setup. Um, then obviously you, you factor in the wing as well. And um, I think the, there is every reason to consider that it has been, um, I guess, enforced to hopefully bring Red Bull back to the chasing pack. And I think um, based on what we saw on the weekend, it seems as though it was a perfect storm in many, many words, in many sense of the imagination, I should say, um, just because of the fact that it, Red Bull did regress as we saw in practice qualifying and on the race and um, obviously a great sign for, for, for the Ferraris and the McLarens and the Mercedes. So, I, I mean, I don't, I don't think I'm going to read into it too much in terms of fantasy only because we know how dominant Max is and how well that Red Bull has historically driven over the course of the last two and a half, three seasons. So don't think that's, I mean, Perez obviously, and we'll get into this a little bit later, what that means for him as an asset to own. But in terms of Max and Red Bull, even though we can see here season lows for both of them across the board, it's barely enough to scare me away from kind of disowning either of them. What's, what's kind of your point of view there? For a car that looks so slow and was sliding around for most of the race, Verstappen was still P5 and closing in fast on Leclerc at P4. He was still able to really pull off some miracles with it. And so I, I would really want to see some sustained slowness from Red Bull before I'm willing to pull the plug on them. I do think back to a previous technical directive earlier this year that some are pointing to that downfall of Aston Martin going from being part of that metal lineup every week and looking so strong to falling off a bit around that technical directive. So interesting to see if it will take down Red Bull too, but the odds tell us we're not quite there yet. And so Red Bull's longstanding streak, so as Max Verstappen's longstanding consecutive win streak, was broken up by a resurgent Ferrari team. This is Sainz's first win since Silverstone last year, and he looks really, really good on track and in fantasy. He has 114 points over his last three races, which is the most of any driver. And now Ferrari is a real thought week in and week out to our lineups. Yeah, I mean, it, it goes to show after many people use Limitless at Monza that Ferrari was in the, the conversation for assets to own. Fast forward one more week to Singapore and you saw the performances that Sainz and Leclerc put in in practice session in the lead up to the deadline. Absolutely warranted consideration in our team. Sainz, you know, 19.6 at the moment. He's flown up in price the last two weeks, but he's still at a price point that's more affordable than someone like Checo, who we know has had his woes the last few, you know, not the last few races fantasy-wise, but has had um, over you know, a number of races this season issues in qualifying. Uh, 16 points from Checo on the weekend, not encouraging at all for his owners um, and signs, as you say, 100 plus points over his last three driver of the day, the last two races and the top scoring driver over those last two races as well. So for anyone who's been second guessing Ferrari all season, I think that's probably been put to bed at the moment. Absolutely. And 
last week we substituted Perez for signs and that gave us enough budget flexibility to bring in Lando Norris over Fernando Alonso. And that was really what sparked a great week for you and I. So I think signs not only is performing the best, but his low cost compared to someone like a Leclerc or a Perez, it, it gives you more flexibility for the rest of your team. And for those Mavericks that were brave enough to put Ferrari over Red Bull, like Tom, who joined me on the show last week, they they enjoyed even more points than um, than even you and I did. Yeah, so, yeah exactly. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. I think McLaren as well, as you can see here, another team that has continued to improve. Uh, I mean, they've obviously been in many of our teams for about half a dozen or so races since they emerged as a viable template option kind of around Austria. Silverstone, um, Lando and Oscar both, you know, racking up the fantasy points. And like you say, another two drivers that we had in our team in Singapore. So very happy with that performance. Obviously, Oscar had, you know, some cause for concern after being or having his qualifying session ruined by Lance Stroll's incident in Q1, but still managed to put in an excellent performance with a bunch of overtakes and a drive up to P7 that I think continues to reaffirm to a lot of you know fans, drivers on the grid, uh, everyone in the paddock, that he is a star in the making. And McLaren this week brought a really ambitious upgrade package. They had a new floor, rear suspension, and then end plate changes on the front and rear. So not just track specific changes, but real performance enhancing changes to the car. They were only fitted to Lando who finished P2. So you obviously can't, can't complain with that result. I'll be interested to see what that package is going to look like on Piastri next week. It makes all three McLaren assets very, very tempting to move into your lineup for Japan. Yeah, absolutely. Not to mention that there is um, a lot of similarities at Singapore, representative of what we've seen at the Silverstone circuit, a lot of higher speed corners. McLaren, we know, are really good in, in corners as well. So I think that car setup, coupled with the upgrades, as you say, that Oscar's expecting, should put them in the box seat um, to perform quite well. I've got high hopes for all three McLaren assets and do expect to run a triple McLaren build uh, in Japan. So fingers crossed they're able to continue this good run of form into the next race. Absolutely. And Piastri and McLaren both gained 1 million in price changes this week. So a lot of really happy surprises for fantasy owners as they check their budget cap Sunday night. Yeah, last, last thing on that in terms of price for the McLaren guys, I mean, Oscar and the McLaren Constructor are both continuing to tick over quite healthily in price. We've seen Lando, um, he went up 0.3 last week, and I think he's kind of entering that price range where we're not seeing quite as aggressive increases week to week. I think that's partially because of his current price. So whether or not he's able to increase at you know, 0.3, 0.5, he's going to have to continue putting in those kind of 25 plus point scores to get those increases. I think Oscar still at a price point, if my memory serves me correctly, around, you know, 10 million or so, 11 million. Um, he got that 1 million increase last weekend. So I think, or I would expect he's still going at, you know, minimum 0.5 each week if he has a good week, um, a good drive in him. And, McLaren weren't the only team to have a good race last week. It's time to talk about our favorite topic of budget drivers. And our man, the overtake merchant, Zhou Guan Yu, led all budget drivers again. Just a nice race from Zhou. He started in the pit lane at P19 with Stroll not 
being able to race. And he just picked his way all the way up the field. And this is his seventh double-digit fantasy performance, which I feel like we're saying every few weeks he leads all budget drivers in the category. And he nabbed a half-million-dollar price increase, too. So there's just nothing Joe can't do these days. No, no. He, he Again, as a fantasy asset, continues to put in another really good drive. Doesn't quite get the same headline um, headlines that someone like Liam Lawson does, but as a, someone that you want in terms of consistency, reliability, he is in his second year, so obviously got a little bit more experience under his belt. You know, just a, a reliable fantasy option to own. And um, as you said, the, the price increases are an added benefit for his owners who are willing to keep the faith with um, the, the Chinese driver. You're right about Lawson. He really stole the show from the, the traditional bottom of the grid. He had that thrilling knockout of Verstappen in Q2 and then finished with his first points in F1 and the best AlphaTauri finish of the year. So now they have more points than drivers, which is good. I got to know, do you think Lawson gets a seat next year? Because you still have Yuki around. Daniel Ricciardo is a very marketable presence and a good senior leader for that team. But there's only two seats. There is. There, there were reports out today. You've probably seen them as well around AlphaTauri's uh, projected lineup for 2024. Whether or not they actually go by that name is another question altogether. But there is, I guess, from what I've read, Ricardo and Sonoda are the favourites for those two seats. I think Lawson has done everything in his power in you know the few races he's been on the grid to deserve a seat um, in a team next year. It's just the simple case every year that there's just not enough seats for a lot of talented drivers. The only one open at the moment that hasn't really been confirmed is Williams. There is speculation that Sargent may will, well be re-signed for another year, but I also think, you know, Lawson wouldn't look out of place in that Williams too. I think there's um, a lot of potential we see in him, maybe not the same generational talent that, you know, a Russell or a Leclerc or a Norris um, attracts, but he is, you know, from what we've seen, a very reliable driver and exactly what AlphaTauri wanted from him in, in the few races he's filled in for. Part of me wonders with that proposed lineup for AlphaTauri if they don't want to be caught over investing in a super sub again. Like, did Nick DeVries and his disappointment this year spoil them from over investing in a, a person that's in a, a seat for just a few weeks and maybe taking the safe route, going with the known entities of, of Yuki and Danny Rick, let another team like Williams mess with Lawson and Hope, hope there's some some rookie slide in there for him at some point. Yeah, I mean, that's what intrigues me the most about Silly Season this year. Obviously, not nearly as much activity as we've seen in the past. And I think 2024 will also be a very, very interesting merry-go-round. But um, it is it is just – it's yeah, I, I just don't know what to, to what to expect from Williams or from AlphaTauri for, for Lawson. Um, I think, yeah, as I said, a very talented driver, but – um, if he ends up taking that reserve driver role with AlphaTauri, I would understand. Um, it's just, as I said, uh, unfortunate sometimes we just don't have enough seats on the grid for, for all this talent. Agreed. And a moment ago, you mentioned his teammate, Yuki Sonoda. This is two weeks in a row he's logged the minus 20 for his owners, neither of which were really his fault. It's just been a very frustrating stretch for Yuki. And this is a guy who was one of the most dominant budget drivers in the first half of the season, now logging minus 40 in the last two weeks. 
definitely a struggle for him. Yeah, look, I've been pretty, I wouldn't say as high on Sonoda as I have on someone like Joe, but he has been probably the next best until recently budget driver in that category. Certainly a bit more experience, again, under his belt into his third season. Uh, but, I, I mean, I'm intrigued to see, I mean, what Red Bull and Alpha Tari want to do with him if he is ultimately re-signed for a fourth season um, with the Alpha Tari outfit how much longer they're going to kind of keep him in that role until he's either promoted or moved on. Um, I think he's done a lot. We've seen a lot from him in three years, but I would have thought by now they'd have a pretty good idea of what they want to do with him moving forward. And there isn't really an indication to suggest um, that he's in the box seat for that Red Bull seat at the end of next season. Maybe it's a scrap between him and Ricardo as to who takes that seat, assuming Perez has moved out, but... I would have thought if it wasn't if um, if Sonoda wasn't kind of re-signed for another year, Lawson would be would be the man in in form to take that from him. It's going to be a very interesting chess match on how silly season works out next season. There are just so many seats that are available, including Ferrari seats, a McLaren seat, the Checo seat. Um, if folks don't re-sign early, it could be the maddest silly season we've had in recent memory. Yeah. Let's move on now to our team results from last week. Rob and I ran the same team, and we made one really big move, which was subbing out Sergio Perez for signs and then getting the budget flexibility to upgrade Alonzo to Lando. We lucked out quite a bit by the signs strategy of letting Norris into DRS range because that basically secured one-two for the guys in our lineup. And... I think the we did play the no negative chip, which didn't work for us, but I'd rather have the team and the points that we pulled out last week rather than um, a team full of Ocons and Sonotas that got zeros instead of negative points. Hmm. Yeah, definitely. It was a chip that you and I had deliberated over using at Singapore for a number of weeks in the lead up because of that high DNF rate, the street circuit, uh, and then the potential risk of rain as well. Again, in the same camp, glad um, we had the, the scores that we did, not disappointed by any means that it kind of counted for nothing, but I've kind of got accustomed to that after the same result with the final fix in Monaco earlier this season. So not to be too disappointed by it. I think both healthy rank increases for us. So I think, you know, the target for me, um, you may have a different one is top 1,000. So hoping to really kind of work towards that over the next few races with certainly limitless um, for both of us in hand. I've also got autopilot, but um, hindsight is a beautiful thing. I, I wouldn't be surprised if if Singapore was the best time to use that chip um, with the races remaining. Yeah, big, big credit to Tom, who was in this space last week. He used the autopilot chip, got that 2x action out of signs, had the Ferrari constructor in for Red Bull, so a really tremendous week for him. But I am very satisfied with the green arrow. I went from 8,000 to 4,000. So it definitely looks like these subtle moves can lead to really big increases in the global rank. Yeah. I do feel for some of the folks I saw on Twitter that posted they used Final Fix to bring in George for Verstappen. You were this close away from having a really good decision on your hands, but unfortunately it didn't quite work out. Yeah, and a lot of people also kept the faith with Perez because we have seen this season Red Bull do struggle a little bit in qualifying and then 
Perez, for instance, does well on Sunday to make up some positions with the strength of that car. But just as we touched on earlier, um, it just wasn't a circuit or a car setup suited to that Red Bull outfit. So whether or not that's cold feet enough to distance uh, ourselves from from Checo moving forward is another discussion altogether, which we'll no doubt dissect um, shortly. But um, I think across the board, pretty happy with the moves um, made last week. Let's get right into that debate because it, it's a good segue for this question I have about the meta. And for the first three months of the season, we were running three times Red Bull, three times Aston Martin, and a budget driver. Now we're starting to question Perez because he's expensive and you have signs in Norris that are doing better behind him. Alonso and Stroll have cooled off and Aston Martin has slipped to number four in the constructors with McLaren right behind them to catch. And even last week, Max and Red Bull were expendable. So I'm wondering now, is anyone a must start week in and week out anymore? I think you make excellent points across the board. The only one I disagree with is Max Verstappen. Um, we, we, we've obviously seen recently that the Red Bull adjustments weren't suited to them in Singapore. I think right off him at your own peril if you're not prepared um, to keep him in your team. He is still going to be 99% of the time the best driver in the best car and in the box seat for those wins. So he is my permanent DRS boost <laughs> this season, unless for whatever reason he is sick one race weekend. So uh, he, for me, is probably the only mainstay. Red Bull Constructor probably not far behind, but I, I think a part of that has to do with the fact that even though, as we said before, it was their worst race weekend, 54 points, and the best result between both drivers was Max, most teams barely scrape 54 points in a race week. Yes, Red Bull is obviously much more expensive than Ferrari and Mercedes, but for those engaged strategists that have been pretty much on it from the get-go, you would be kind of taking advantage of those price increases anyway. So moving off them, I mean, kudos, as we've said, to the guys that pivoted to Ferrari last weekend, but I, I can't really see many, if any, of a situation where I'm suddenly ditching the Red Bull constructor if Max is still racking up, you know, a pretty decent score despite a disappointing weekend. Um, as far as the rest of the team lineup, slots are concerned. Yes, fair game pretty much for me at the moment. What about if you? I, if I had to power rank the safest assets moving forward, I'd say Verstappen, the Red Bull constructor, and starting two out of three McLarens if you can. I think week in and week out, if you start Verstappen every week, you'll be safer than trying to pick the week where he doesn't have it because you'll more likely than not be wrong. And that that will carry over to the Red Bull uh, constructor as well. But looking at the ownership rates, it's interesting. Alonso is still on 75% of teams. Aston Martin constructor is still on 65% of teams. So take advantage of these zombie teams in your league. Take advantage of the changing landscape of the game. Listen to analysts like Rob, myself, Tom, and others. There's some real gains to be had at this point of the season. Yeah, definitely, definitely. Those zombie teams are what's prompting those those nice, healthy rank, rank increases because up until recently, Aston Martin triple up, Red Bull triple up was, was the template. And, you know, Fernando Alonso is still owned by 75% of players in the game. Aston Martin owned by 65% of players in the game. McLaren at at 18%, Lando at 27 and Oscar at 20 they're all 
very big differentials for assets that are performing excellently. So it's very hard to see myself, certainly if we look at the McLaren constructor, and I think that is pretty much always going to be the approach for the rest of the season is to have Red Bull as your premium constructor and McLaren as your mid-price constructor. Um, I was tinkering with a Ferrari constructor build earlier, which I actually didn't hate the look of, but um, again, Ferrari is, as we've observed, you know, a bit hit and miss depending on the circuit we're at, but improved results in the last couple of races, as we can see on the screen here, has prompted a, a more value-friendly option in Carlos Sainz over Charles Leclerc as, as a great alternative to someone like Checo, as you said, who is still owned by 40% and um, seems to be falling out of favor a little bit. As a Mercedes fan in the room, I wish the pricing algorithm would throw me a bone so I could run more Lewis and George, but it's it's been challenging. George could fit in as a, a possible Checo replacement, but he's still a little bit pricey. Let's get into the history of this track, which we don't have much history on because it was off the calendar in 2020 and 2021. But last year, the race started late. It was downpouring for a long time. That ate into the total duration of the race. The race finished due to curfew. It hadn't reached its full distance. And there were some questions at the end of the race because it hadn't gone 75% of the laps. Max was this close to being crowned champion. Was he getting full points or not? After some real clarifications, he was declared the champion. So very interesting 2022. And then as far as DNF history, we had signs an Albon DNF last year for Stappen in 2019. Leclerc, Hulkenberg, Magnuson in 2018. So this isn't uh, a Baku or a Singapore where it's just death and destruction for the grid. It's a pretty safe track. And if you still have the no negative, I would hold on to it. Yeah. Yeah. It's um, funnily enough, the one race, the only race last year that I didn't watch live, or at least I think I fell asleep within the first book. 30 minutes of the broadcast because of the delays and it was at 2 a.m. Um, Eastern time in the U.S. So uh, it was a wet race, as you said. I had, I just distinctly remember this, I had my, what was previously called the Mega Boost, the extra DRS on max for that race. Um, and it worked out quite handsomely there with the win. But um, given the, as you mentioned, the DNF history, the lack of overtakes because of only one DRS zone, does that make a team like Red Bull a little bit more expendable because of how strong that DRS is perhaps? But again, it is also, as I touched on before, a circuit that is akin to a little bit like Silverstone where we did see Red Bull do quite well there. And I think it is going to be another one of those races where we do need to pay a little bit more attention to practice times because of someone like Perez who is you know, teetering on the edge of in or out um, of my team and triple Red Bull, triple McLaren is going to be a popular build, assuming Red Bull gets it together this coming weekend. So interested to see what practice um, looks like. And I think as usually is the case, we'll no doubt guide our decisions quite handsomely heading into the, the, the deadline. I know when I watch practice, it's going to be with a much different lens than I usually do. If you see Red Bull falling in the free practice table, you're often thinking, don't worry, just a setup issue, they'll figure it out come qualifying. This time, if they're not sticking at top three in at least FP2 and FP3, we might get an itchy trigger finger for Ferrari. So thinking about practice in ways that I hadn't all year, which is really cool. And the other thing about this track, you had mentioned the one DRS zone. I'm thinking of my budget driver differently this week, because usually, when in doubt, go with the guys that are going to get the most overtakes. We always stick with Joe as our security blanket. 
This time, though, with fewer DR, um, fewer overtakes on the table, I'm thinking of guys like Lawson that might have a higher race upside, or even, dare I say, someone like a Hulkenberg. Yeah, look, Hulk um, for me, and I was deliberating this um, in my team selection video um, that went out earlier today. In fact, at the time of the recording. Um, I'm, I'm not in the same situation. I don't have quite the same luxury as you uh, in terms of team value, and I'm not going to spoil what we cover um, in a couple slides' time. But um, Hulk for me, yes, obviously fewer overtakes, but we've still seen Hulk um, on a circuit where there hasn't been as many overtakes still lose positions. Um, he is the, the qualifying, in terms of a midfield team, the qualifying king. Um, and it is the tail of the tape this season where he just can't seem to hold that race pace together for the, for the, um, the Haas. So um, if you can stretch to someone like Liam Lawson with budget, I think he's a really good, um, a really good option there. He's proven the last two races, his five and his three, even though maybe not quite as reflective as, as the drive suggests does offer, I guess, some signs of encouragement. And with those alpha Terry upgrades, although, Maybe not something we saw quite a lot of um, in the weekend just gone, but if those upgrades that are kind of symbolic of some of those Red Bull components, does that work in their favour heading into this this coming weekend? Absolutely. We're going to be keeping a very close eye on Alpha Tauri this week. And unfortunately for Yuki, he has the distinct pleasure of being sad on back-to-back -back slides of talking points. And we just wanted to finish this, this preview with three drivers that we would avoid. So while the meta is wide open, it's not so wide open that we would go with these three. Our, our favorite sad faces is Esteban Ocon. He has five DNFs on the season and four in his last six races. He was running in the points before his engine started smoking. And just not a good birthday present for him last weekend in Singapore. He's only on 10% of teams right now. And luck is just simply not on his side these days. No, no, him and Yuki both just seem to encounter so many reliability gremlins um, at the moment. And Ocon, yeah, look, he's had some really good races this season, like single standalone races, uh, which has kind of funnily enough brought him back onto our radar for a week or two at a time. Monaco, obviously that podium stands out to me. He had back-to-back 20 plus points finishes in Belgium and in the Netherlands. And then either side of those two big weekends, he's had back-to-back -back DNF. So you're just not really sure what you're getting with him at the moment. And given his price has dropped a little bit over these last few weeks, someone like Oscar Piastri has obviously gone in the other direction with some really good drives. They're both priced the same now. And I think McLaren's form for reliability, consistency, all good signs that you want from a driver at that kind of third or fourth budget slot, 11 million Ocon's just nowhere near the conversation right now because of someone like Oscar, who's really demonstrated what he's um, able to offer as a fantasy asset. Agreed. And that's a big basis for why these three are here is when you look at the comps at the same price, there's always better options around them. And in the case of Sonoda, he has 13 points over his last 10 races combined. Meanwhile, his teammate Lawson got 19 points just at Zandvoort. Joe scored 66 points over the same period. So compared to, to equally priced drivers, Yuki's just not in the conversation for me anymore. And then um, with Lance Stroll, 
it's partly a practical thing. He didn't race because he was unwell after the crash on Saturday, which was a huge shunt. Will he be totally right this week? He's obviously got no momentum behind him. His last several races have been pretty unfortunate for him. And again, drivers in that range, like a Pierre Gasly, Alex Albon, all better options than Stroll this week. Yeah, it's it's tough to see someone like Lance Stroll have a, a little bit of a fall from grace the last half dozen or so races. Um, really was in um, a lot of our teams, still is because of zombie teams, um, at the start of the season and has just towered off certainly in the last, you know, five or six races or so. 25, his best score which um, of the season was in Austria um, and since then has only had two scores higher than 10 points. Uh, so not not exactly something you want to see from that driver. Um, but I think for most engaged strategists, they've moved off him a while ago. So I'd assume if if you're watching this video right now and you've still got him in your team, I think this is absolutely the weekend to, to move him on. Get him out. So it's not all bad news. Let's take a look at the weather for this weekend because very little chance of rain. Thank goodness. Hopefully we get a completely dry weekend and no drama with inters or extreme wets this weekend. I'm glad glad to finally see some dry conditions. That means no negative. We can keep that at, at bay. Any other buffing chips like autopilot or wildcard, unless you really needed it, I could hold on to for another race. Yeah, yeah, I think so. Agreed entirely. There's you know, a select few number of races left on the calendar that are going to offer really good opportunities to deploy those chips. Um, Japan just isn't really one of those. And with very low chance of rain, um, I think there's going to be other races later on where no negative um, is going to hopefully add a bit more value. So um, pretty clear skies, hopefully not nearly as wet as we saw last season. So, And for those for those of you watching along that are in um, countries that use Celsius, I'll do a quick conversion. It's probably on Saturday around 25, 26, and on Sunday about 24 25 degrees celsius so pretty warm across the board and i can't imagine there's going to be too much disruption good let's move on now to the fan amp picks of the week we've got two as always so when if ever do we see the first red flag in qualifying for me i think this is one of the safer tracks on the grid in terms of lots of space on either side of the track plenty of runoff areas there's no rain in the forecast. I'm going to go with no red flags. Yep. I have a very similar point of view there. I think it's a pretty stock standard track on the circuit and don't expect there to be in qualifying a red flag, unlike what we saw last weekend. So I think I'll obviously go with that same option, but I do think our next question will be slightly different. All right, let the arguments begin. Which team scores the most points this weekend? I'm going boring and saying Red Bull have returned to form. They can lock up the constructors this week if they beat Mercedes by one point and don't get outscored by Ferrari by 24 points. And I think that's what happens. I'm going to go for a bit of a left field punt here just to have a bit of spice. Um, very high on McLaren. Uh, I think we're going to see a good drive from both drivers. I guess practice is obviously the driving force of this kind of conversation. And until we see that, um, it's hard to make a decision. But I'm high on, on McLaren this race. I think Max will still 
certainly feature in the conversation for a race win. But I do think Checo may struggle again a little bit. I'm going to go McLaren, two drivers in the top four. Let's see if they can take home the bacon there. Can we get two in the top three so we get a Rob Shuey next week? I mean, I didn't say which driver would be uh, on the podium. Should, if I just said Oscar on the podium and Lando's fourth, would that? That's plenty, yeah. Either way, either way. podium means I get a Shuey on the show next week. So whatever, yeah, whatever man, it takes I'm, to get us there. Man, I'm, 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 I'm itching for a Shuey on the stream. So, I mean, if, 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 if you think it's worthwhile, maybe even a deadline stream as opposed to just one of these Fantastic. shows. Fantastic. Well, it was a big hit last week, so I'm excited. Whatever we can yeah. do to get more more energy on there, I'm, I'm all for it. Sure. But that, lock, lock that one in. Um, I just don't think it's going to be the, the Japanese deadline stream um, only because that is 5.45 my time in England. So not sure how I feel about a beer at that time of day. But again, stranger things have happened. Fantastic. Well, keep our fingers crossed for a breakfast beer for Rob. Let's look at our lineups for this week. You can see with the big week last week, getting a million from Signs, Piastri, and McLaren, now we can afford the three by Red Bull, three by McLaren double stack or triple stack. In my case, I've got slightly more budget, so I went with the higher upside budget driver with Liam Lawson, and I'll be keeping a very close eye on practice. I have no qualms about subbing Perez out for Signs and even Red Bull for Ferrari if it looks like things are getting beat. Yeah, definitely. Trying to keep an open mind about that too. Um, again, it's not going to be the first or the last weekend where we put in, I guess, a tentative team lock for um, the race and then see practice results and decide to flip the switch. So again, very happy to be able to reach to a triple-double, as I like to call it. Uh, but but the, um, the sergeant option there for me is just because I'm you know 0.4 short of being able to afford Liam Lawson so you've got my measure maybe in the team value but not quite in the ranks yet but that could change this weekend if Lawson delivers and Sergeant flops that'd be great and if I score more than you this week that means you would be eligible to have your team name changed next week as part of our big prize again we're giving away $50 to fifthgeargarms.com I'm rocking fifth gear Garms right now. This is Lewis's 2023 helmet. I'm loving this shirt. It's super comfy. This embroidery is really high quality and I'm just loving it so far. So in our FanAmp base, you download the FanAmp app, head over to the fantasy formula and answer this question, which constructor scores the most fantasy points this weekend? Start that chat soon. And then we'll pick one lucky winner on our live stream just before qualifying, and they'll not only get the $50, but they get to rename the loser's team between Rob and myself. Sounds like a fair deal. <laughs> and you can see the shirts that are pictured here the last two races. They have track shirts. The one on the left is for Suzuka, and the one on the right was Singapore for last week. So really good thematic shirts for everybody. Let's move on now to a reminder that the Fantasy Formula is available wherever you get your podcasts, and we promise to read one five-star review on every show, and our first one really delivers from our friend Mike. This says, are you wondering why you put 2XDRS on Ocon last week? Was your reasoning to make Alpha Tower your constructor flawed? 
Do you put your favorite drivers on your team, even if you end up with three budget boys because your guys aren't delivering points per million? Gunther Steiner might be the star of Drive to Survive, but now you're finding out that their car eats tires like Trump eats Big Macs. Well, Adam and Rob will steer you from the pit lane to the top of the fantasy grid. Fun and friendly guys, as well as very knowledgeable. Five star. Like, thank you so much for that. That was wonderful. That is a very high bar for other five-star reviewers to top. Uh, it's it's obviously so lovely to see such positive feedback from you know friends of this show. Um, and yeah, uh, we we do encourage you guys. If for those of you watching, if you haven't yet already rated um, our shows on Spotify and Apple Music, we'd greatly appreciate it. Obviously, it goes a long way for growing this show, this channel, and. Um, for those of you who have already engaged on our live deadline streams in the comments on YouTube, on Twitter, et cetera, um, very much appreciated. So if you do like what you're hearing from us, even though sometimes it's a little bit of dribble, uh, we'd love a review and hopefully we can feature it on the next show. Thanks so much for, for everything this week, Rob. And this Saturday or Friday, depending on where you are, we will be doing a live deadline stream again. It'll be late for me. It'll be early for Rob. Who knows what it'll be for all of you, but we'll be answering all your lineup questions, locking in our lineups, and then we'll be picking a winner of our fifth gear GARMS giveaway. Until then, we'll see you all soon.